The Incomparable is selling t-shirts again. Visit theincomparable.com slash shirt for details. We have three different kinds, and they're only on sale until August 22nd, 2014. So get them now or be eternally sad, or at least sad until the next time we sell some. The Incomparable, number 207, August 2014. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And uh, in this episode, which uh, is it's very exciting, we, we often will record uh, far in advance and we talk about things that happened far in the past. And that creates a timeless quality, which is great because you can say, hey, go back and listen to episode 43. And I don't even know which one that is. Uh, and uh, it's, it'll be as just as timely today as it was back then. And uh, But we're going to do something a little more current, which is we're going to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy, which just came out like a little more than a week ago as we record this. And uh, we're going to get out there. We're striking while the iron is mildly warm as opposed to the usual cold that it often is when we talk about works. Uh, and joining me to talk about the latest Marvel spectacular film are a, uh, a, a lovely collection of people, including, but not limited to... David J. Lore. Hi, David. Oh, come on, man. Star Lore. <laughs> also joining us, Monty Ashley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Tony Sindelar. I am Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, it's good to have her back, Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello. I'm going to try not to suck all the joy out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so um also i'm in, i'm informed that our episode 43 is about fringe which is currently streaming on netflix so it's totally <laughs> totally relevant perfectly cromulent very want to go listen to episode 43 so guardians of the galaxy um it, this is uh, this is a fascinating film because it is a Marvel movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and yet with um, one character, I think, connecting it to the rest <laughs> of everything that they've ever done. Um, obviously, there are comics of Guardians of the Galaxy that are connected in many different ways, but this is a step outside of the comfort zone. I think it would it would be safe to say uh, for for Marvel, it's a really different movie in terms of topic, in terms of location, in terms of tone. Um, and I thought we would start there. It's just like how how different this movie is and how it feels like a very different kind of movie than, say, Captain America or The Avengers. Yeah, well, it doesn't have the... Um, all of Marvel's movies up to this point have had sort of the grounded, uh, fantastic realism to them. Where it's the, like, yes, the comic book universe is a universe very similar to our own, where it's possible for people to rise up and become greater than they are. Um, whereas this film very much bucks that almost immediately. Hey, look at our, our overly normal, the first 10 minutes of the movie without, how much are we, are we spoiler horning everything? Uh, let's, uh, this is always a spoiler horn, yeah. horn philosophy at 101 is where we are now. I, I'd say let's, let's, uh, maybe keep it light on, on, uh, on the spoilers for another few minutes, maybe. That, that sounds good to okay. me. All right. So just, you know, to keep it spoiler, spoiler letter, spoiler free, um, within the first 10 minutes of the movie, they make it very, very clear what kind of movie this is. And it's not slightly, uh, 
slight magical realism. It's, <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're just going to go into full-on sci-fi magic with a, a dash of action-adventure. Basically, Raiders of the Lost Ark in space. Yeah, it's a... And it's it is really irreverent in a way that I mean I guess the original Iron Man felt quite irreverent, but this is even more so than that. A loose uh, adventure story. It's a sci-fi story and not a uh, an action Earth-based like action thriller superhero movie. Yeah, it's not a superhero movie at all. Although it's very comic booky, and there are characters with superhuman powers. All of the superhuman powers are attached to. Aliens. Characters who aren't human. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. super, supra-human, right? <laughs> and, and, I mean, speaking of setting of the tone right up at the, the top, I loved how, I mean, you know, obviously I went in knowing the trailers and knowing the basic tone. But, you know, even if you go in completely cold, you know, it starts out like a, you know, this, this science fiction landscape. And, you know, I mean, almost, the one thing I want to say is, the whole movie looked like covers of Galaxy and f- the magazine of fantasy and science fiction and, you know, all these wonderful uh, science fiction landscapes. And, you know, you see you see this figure moving through this landscape. And then music kicks in and he just starts dancing. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's just this wonderful moment that says, all right, we're not just in outer space. We're going to be silly. And... I love that. My favorite part of that, which is kind of meta, is that it was an opening credit sequence, which movies don't do anymore. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. I loved that. My kids actually informed me a few months ago that they know when a movie is old when there are credits at the front of the movie. Oh. <laughs> and I noticed Ouch. that this, yeah, I know. I noticed that this movie has, unlike all the other Marvel movies, in fact, they can't have your traditional mid credit sequence in some ways because they don't have the initial credits to run at the end that it's actually at the beginning and it and it's great because you set that tone and i love i love the choice and i know this was something that was added um by uh by the director james gunn the the choice of tying uh peter quill who is ultimately played by chris pratt who is great i think that is a great find Excellent. of what a what a what a nice piece of casting he is such a an, a, a winning uh, winning kind of actor. You want to root for him. He feels like a regular guy and a hero simultaneously, which is really hard to do. But to tie him to Earth, and the only scene that happens on Earth in the entire movie is the first scene of the movie, where Peter is a kid, his mom is dying, she gives him... Um, she wants to talk to him. She dies. She, he's got this uh, cassette tape that he's listening to, and he's got a, a gift that his his grandfather puts in his backpack, and he's abducted by aliens, and that's the beginning of the movie. And then we, we get that mixtape throughout the movie, and it's the one thing that attaches us to the Earth. And uh, what a great—not only does it set the tone, because it's all like classic rock, but— um, it also is the one thing that kind of keeps us grounded in the entire movie because this movie, I think, really risked being completely untethered from reality, right? It's like yeah. I think the weakest thing in the first 30 minutes is the um, the download of information. It, it felt very much um, mm-hmm. like some other sci-fi movies where you have so much <laughs> terminology and so many like weird 
Uh, loading. Yeah, weird names and stuff where it's like, well, it's Thanos and he's related to Ronan and there's this. And then like, there's Xandar. Uh, oh my God, right? <laughs> and there's some very expositional dialogue. It's pain, right? Like, it, right? Yes. But I, feel, I was bad, but I'm good now. Trust me. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and a lot of times when that happens, it can lose an audience where, where they're like, I don't know what the hell is going on. And, uh, you know, I felt that way. About there, there are a lot of movies that I've I've ended up not liking that have been like that. But I feel like the the grounding of it with Earth and with the music and with the tone, it's like the movie's trying to send you a signal. It's like, all right, first off, if you don't get it, it's fine. It'll be fine because we're gonna have fun. And second off, um, you know, you you can just if you do know, know about this stuff, you you know about it, and that's good for you. But if, if you don't know about it, it's okay. Well, we got you covered because it's going to be a fun ride anyway and there's music and stuff you recognize. And I, th- I just felt like that was a high wire act because there is so much. I'd argue there's too much and they probably could have simplified <laughs> it. But there's so much there. But they managed to make you not hate the movie in the first 30 minutes when they're throwing out <laughs> it where the kiln and there's Drax and there's Nova Prime on Xandar and there's the Kree and there's Ronan and there's Yondu and there's the peace treaty between the Kree and, and the Xandarians <laughs> and the Ravagers who kidnapped it. Oh, my God. And then all of a sudden. It's the weakest 30 Chaka, minutes of the movie. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? The timing of the script and the timing of the movie and the editing—that is what I think holds it together. Is because yes. you do have all of this ridiculous exposition, um, but you have James Gunn has an innate ability to know exactly when a joke needs to happen. Oh, we've been talking <laughs> too long. Time to throw in something funny yep. so that people don't just start to get their eyes glazed over. And he does it repeatedly throughout the movie. And actually, some of my criticism of James Gunn in the past as a director has been that at times he doesn't know when to rein back. Like, I, um, Super is a great example of a movie that I really wanted to like and that has some really great stuff, but also some some stuff that goes way too far. And you're like, oh, James Gunn, come back, come back. Mm. But the the combination here, whatever, you know, whoever James Gunn was working with um, in regards to Marvel uh, to balance this script out is just it's it's no it's almost no perfect. Like there are a couple instances where it doesn't quite work, but even like with all of the exposition and the um, I just wanted to say really quickly about that opening sequence. When I was at Disneyland a couple weeks ago, um, that's the sneak preview that they were showing. They showed um, the start of Peter getting on – landing on the uh, landing on the planet, landing on Morag, um, up through his ship getting uh, a, a nice waterfall on it is the best spoiler light <laughs> version I can describe. Um, and from – from like two minutes of watching that, I just I went from being moderately excited for this movie, being like, "Yay, I love you know, I love Chris Pratt, and this is going to be fun." <laughs> and then, as soon as the music kicked in and the big giant Guardians of the Galaxy came up, <laughs> my 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 jaw kind of dropped, and I went, "Oh, oh yeah, this is this is this kind of a movie. This is the kind of movie that I am going to really." really latch on to and two weeks later three weeks later absolutely right no right on the money i don't see why we shouldn't fire off the spoiler here in here by the way because quite frankly you need to go see this movie it's in theaters now go go watch it go. if you're watching this time go. shifted go watch it and stream it and then come back yeah. and listen to it so yeah. here comes i hear it coming now here comes the spoiler horn <laughs> the okay fog. Mon- monty you were gonna say something um I really like how the opening sequence isn't just action. It actually establishes Peter Quill's character because for the movie to work, it's essential that we buy him as 
basically a goofball, <laughs> but also very competent at what he does. Mm-hmm. So we have to, the whole movie think, oh, sure, this is a guy who might try doing a dance-off to distract somebody, but also somebody who, when the chips are down, can actually shoot all the right people. I did question the strategy of putting on headphones while trying to infiltrate a secret temple in order to steal an orb. But I, yeah. I think that's like that's part yeah, of who he is, abandoned. right? He's just goofing around, he's, right? Well, yeah. And he's I mean, because he also it. like that's like his he power also song. like he knew, he knew where that room was, and like they shot a hole in it, and he was out of the temple in one second, right? Without having to navigate the whole thing. But like, you know, this is him by himself, you know, and he thinks nothing can touch him, and he's going to dance around and not worry about the weird carnivorous aliens in this in this temple because <laughs> that's that's what he's doing. That's his his day at work. You know, that's his nine to five. I can't tell you how yeah. much I love, I love the idea that um, that the uh, this is the idea of a hero who has a cool name like superheroes do, except nobody knows it and nobody gets it and nobody cares. <laughs> is it's such a great there are so many great running jokes. Every character basically has their own running joke that they can tell, I think. But with with him, it's Star Lord, which nobody knows and nobody cares. And at the very end, somebody calls him Star Lord and he's like, all right, finally. I made, Thanks, man. I <laughs> appreciate that. I made it because they're because all the, the whole movie, it's like, you know, Star Lord. Like, Star no, Prince. no, nope. Nope. It's okay. Don't know anything. You can have ever. a code name. It's not that weird. Never heard of it. Nope. <laughs> For what it's worth, that's probably the biggest change from the uh, it, comic yeah. books. Yeah. 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 The comics. I, 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 I've read the. I've read some of the comics because I read the whole Annihilation um, thing because I'm a big Nova fan actually, and you know Nova in the, someone uh, has to be someone has to be. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Well, Green Lantern. You know, it, it, Nova's the knockoff Green Lantern basically in the Marvel universe. But I like Nova, Rich Rider, and all of that. And and the Annihilation Conquest sort of started as a Nova story, but it was also a Guardians of the Galaxy story. And by the way, this is the point. If you have the over under at 20 minutes or whatever, this is the point where I point out that one member of the Guardians of the Galaxy is. Yes. Who was I knew he was going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I knew he was going to say uh, it. So there's a Micronauts <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy link here. One of the uh, characters not burdened by intellectual property issues that can reappear in Marvel comics is Bug. And so he's been in the Guardians. But anyway, that, it, it is a different story. This is this is like they, they kind of strip mined the recent Guardians story for, for – uh, for pieces, but it's not. I mean, the, the, that's the beauty of this. In some ways, is nobody really cares if you change the story because nobody yeah. knows who the Guardians of the Galaxy are anyway. <laughs> well, well, I recently became obsessed with kind of the origins, especially of Groot and Rocket. I read the Annihilation Prologue trade paperback, which gives the origins of a bunch of nonsensical space crea- yes. characters, <laughs> many of whom are exactly identical. Star Lord and Quasar and Nova yeah. all have the same origin and practically the same name. But I was really happy that Groot, whose origin was in 1960 as a monster from Planet X, Mm. in the movie, when they're doing the kind of lineup thing and you see their, like, powers listed as superimposed on the screen, it says Groot's origin is X. Ah. So Mm. even in the movie (laughs) universe, he's from Planet X, and I'm... Nice. There are a lot of little subtle nods in that squirt, yeah. in that little oh, yeah. sequence, which I appreciated. Also noted that it does indeed say that Rocket has broken out of prison twenty two times, mm. which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> well, he's pretty little. <laughs> That's true. Well, and he's got a plan. He's and he's got, got a big a friend. Yeah, little guy with a big friend go a long way. So yeah. So when I saw this movie oh, yeah. trailer, I thought, um, I thought it, Ren mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I also I thought of Star Wars, obviously, and. 
one of the things that I think is lacking in a lot of sci-fi movies these days, I feel like we've gotten so dark and gritty and all of that, 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 that we've actually lost a lot of the fun. This may be true of, of superhero movies too, but it's certainly true Absolutely. of sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's from the trailer. I thought, okay, this has the potential to be that kind of movie, the star Wars kind of movie where it is a rollicking good time. And uh, you know, more or less it delivered. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that I would, I, I, I wouldn't consider this a great movie, but um, I think it's a good movie. And I, I think one of the reasons that it gets me on its side is because of the fun it has. The fact that um, in these really weird and um, st- weird sci-fi settings, like the, uh, the, the, severed head of a giant alien that is now used as a space station they're mining it which is and they're mining the <laughs> brains and stuff of it. it's that's very farscape that is like yeah. a really bizarre yeah. uh thing i love i love that but in there you have these characters and you have you have um and, and they're in a p- opposition with the nova Corps who are are totally uh, straight laced, serious, and that's where you've got um, you've got your uh, Peter Serafinowitz and uh, <laughs> John C. Riley. and John C. Riley, right? Um, and and so I I, I really that's where like the that. real actors all live. Yeah, they live on Nova. They're no and and yeah, right. And Glenn Close. And you got your Glenn Close. They're Glenn on Xandar. Close. They're the well, and as a Nova fan, I find it really hilarious because what they've decided here to do is is do something that's actually a really funny thing that Marvel Comics do too, which is kind of roll their eyes at the Nova Corps and it's like, yeah, Xandar, they're the perfect <laughs> planet. Everybody loves them. They've got the Nova Corps. They're the interstellar police people, and everybody rolls their eyes at them because they're just too perfect. And that's who our characters are: is they're not the perfect people. They are this ragtag bunch of people who meet essentially. And, and and bond in in jail. <laughs> what kind of movie is that? <laughs> well, they bond in jail it for like twenty minutes. Sure, they don't spend a lot of time as prisoners. Well, they would all die no. if they stuck mm-hmm. stuck around there. But that, it's or it's it's murder it, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everybody's got their thing. Um, we got Rocket Raccoon, who is voiced by Bradley Cooper, who I found unrecognizable. I would never have guessed Bradley Cooper in a million years. Uh, who is a rac- raccoon. And so one of my favorite things in the entire movie is when Chris Pratt says, basically like, dude, you're like a raccoon. And he says, what's a raccoon? Because he's not from <laughs> Earth. He's never been there. He doesn't know what a raccoon is. That's great. And Groot, who says, I am Groot. And all he ever says is, I am Groot. What a great, and yet, great character. Like the Iron Giant, voiced by Vin Diesel. Great oh, character. Mm-hmm. It's the the expressive eyes and the and the vocal patterns just and do it oh, the so eyes oh. and the big smile. black eyes and yeah. the smile, and the smile. Yeah. oh so the yeah that's too that's later in the movie but there is there is one moment with Groot um, <laughs> that I think everybody probably knows what I'm talking about if you've seen it where something very big and violent happens and normally you'd be like oh god that's kind of horrible and then Groot turns around and gives you the biggest <laughs> happiest smile you're just like. <laughs> There's also he's so powerful because I mean Groot is like the secret weapon because he can grow things and he's got his like he can make little flowers for people and give them to him which is adorable. Um, <laughs> he he is he is this amazing character. Um, but when they're breaking out of the jail, there's definitely that moment where um, all of this jeopardy happens and then Groot shows up and the comment is something like, "Oh, sure, now you show up, <laughs> right?" Because they, <laughs> they, they like keep him out of the out of the movie for a little while because he's going to be too helpful and they need to they 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 need to put everybody at a little bit of a risk before Groot comes back because Groot's pretty awesome I think what made this movie so surprising for me is that 
so many of the core group of ragtag heroes have a really high degree of difficulty. Like Groot could have gone seriously wrong. Oh yeah, or Rocket. Rocket could have boring. Go- Ro- yeah. yeah, I think Gro- Rocket could have been a complete disaster. Rocket could have gone oh. wrong two ways, but he has great facial expressions somehow. CGI is that good. <laughs> and also just, we're all sick of the randomly homicidal character, except this time where he's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Even Drax, well, casting oh, Drax. a wrestler is highly risky, <laughs> but he works for me. That guy's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His deadpan. <laughs> Let's take a break so I can tell you about something cool. And this is cool and it's new. It's from Drobo. And it's a new third generation model of Drobo. If you don't know what Drobo is, Drobo uh, stands for I think, Data Robotics. The original storage robot was the concept way back when, when Drobo was started. The idea is these are smart devices. You put hard drives in them. And it figures out how to use them. It gives you redundancy. It protects your data. And it lets you store huge amounts of data in one box. And you can swap the drives in and out if you have a failure or if you want more disk space. It's very cool. But let me tell you about this new Gen 3 Drobo. It's a four-drive unit, so you can fit up to four full-sized hard drives in it. And those hard drives can contain a lot of data. So a Drobo box with four drives in it can contain a huge amount of data. It's faster than the old models. It has a USB 3 interface. It has a new, faster dual-core processor powering it. And as a result, it is a much faster device. It's between three and five times faster than its four-bay predecessors. But here's the amazing thing. It's more economical. It has a great value. The original four-bay Drobo cost $499. The new third-generation Drobo starts at $300. 49. A lot of people told Drobo, we love the idea of the Drobo 5D. I have a Drobo 5D here in my house and I'm using it and it's great. But what people said was, we don't need that massive performance and the price is way too high. So this is a much more economical third generation Drobo uh, at 349. And I've told you about a lot of the other things it has, including the data protection. It's optimized for time machine. If a hard drive crashes, you don't lose data because it's on other drives too because Drobo is smart. It's not a dumb hard drive. It's a smart storage system with a whole bunch of drives providing the storage. And there's a great deal for incomparable listeners. $50 off the purchase of any Drobo model, any single Drobo model in the whole store by using this code SNELL. That's my name. Use code SNELL when you buy at drobostore.com. D-R-O-B-O store.com If you're like me and you've got a lot of data you want to store and you get frustrated by hooking up a whole bunch of separate standalone hard drives in a chain to your computer and I've been there until I got my Drobo and now I'm much happier not having it there. So if you are thinking about it, if you need storage for your computer and you want it all in one place and you want it to be safe so that if a drive crashes, you'll be okay. Drobo is the answer. Check them out. Thank you so much to Drobo for sponsoring The Incomparable. Use code SNELL at drobostore.com. 
I have to say Drax was the big uh, surprise for me that, about how much I love Drax because it is Dave Batista. He's a wrestler. He's big and bulky and looks like a wrestler. And you get the sense that Drax is just a big wrestler. He's a big, tough guy. But to have him take everything literally is such a great comedy moment. And is and, mm-hmm. and, and it sounds, when I put it that way, it sounds like it could be schlocky, but it's not like the way it's played, it is... That I, for me, that that was where my wife and I were laughing the most in the entire movie is when we finally realized that Drax takes everything literally, and he's like, How, "I never call me a thesaurus again, right?" Yeah. And uh, nothing would go over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. <laughs> it's so it's so great. And and again, if the movie was taking itself too seriously, um, you it wouldn't do that. Yeah, and yeah. I like that Drax is always shirtless, even at the end <laughs> when they've gotten their medals or whatever on Nova. Gamora has put on a reasonably body covering outfit, and she's standing right next to Drax, who is shirtless as always. <laughs> well, there's that really nice moment when they're gearing up to to Cherry Bomb, and they're all putting on their Ravager armor clothing, and Drax, you know, starts by putting on the pants and takes a look at the jacket, and then throws the jacket away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, nope, this is how I am. He's just never cold. He has like great circulation. <laughs> <He does. you laughs> know? And those tattoos. Even in the darkness of space. That's his fashion. His tattoos yeah. are his fashion. He needs to show yeah. them off. Why would you cover those tattoos up? The full upper body tattoos. The five hours of makeup tattoos. I don't even yeah. know if they, I call them tattoos. They're like embossing. Cause, well, cause, yeah, they're like scarred, right? Yeah, so yeah. Like they're yeah. raised. Yeah. The composition of this group, again, could have gone wildly wrong it shouldn't have worked oh, uh, for when, for a million reasons it shouldn't have worked yeah i, I mean especially because on paper some of them are so similar right i mean it, it could be that we just have like three basically homicidal maniacs and then groot who doesn't you know you know get, get to express himself in any way but they all get to become interesting right yeah there's no 18 dynamic yeah. multiples of these guys are the muscle Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of muscle on this team. Well, they're and, all and not a lot of brains. <laughs> yes. No, you know, even even Rocket, Rocket, who's the little guy, has you know has a gun the size of him whenever he needs it. Right. So, <laughs> can we talk about how beautiful that gun is? Just every every I saw this, so I've seen this movie a couple times and twice in 3D. Um, and normal uh, post converted 3D, uh, but. Just even seeing it in 2D, the way that the rack focus goes on that gun when <laughs> it's like level one, level two, level three, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's just such a gleeful, happy uh, – reminds me of being a kid and like playing with Nerf guns mm. kind of gleefulness where it's like, oh, you think that you know what this is, but no, no, there's more fun coming. Well, it's like when, when I first read about it. When they first, I guess when they first announced it, I didn't really know much about the Guardians because I've not been a big Marvel Universe guy. And e- David, so, even big Marvel Universe people don't know anything about oh, the I, Guardians. Well, yes, yeah. they're, they're super and, recent and not big. Well, super obscure, right, yeah. right. So you know, I read about it and went, "Okay, that's going to be the one that they they finally snap. That's it's, it can't be good because that's nuts. That's insane." <laughs> and then I saw the first trailer. And it's I can't remember the last time I saw a trailer where I immediately wanted the rest of the movie right mm-hmm. that second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, you know, my only my only disappointment in the movie was after after seeing it in the trailer, I was waiting for Spirit in the Sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. that would have been beautiful. Mm. Deleted scenes, man. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope. 
can I can I ask about Gamora? I mean, one of the challenges in, in the comics, Gamora is actually a really great character because she's sort of like this super awesome but also kind of evil character who sort of comes around eventually. And I feel like one of the problems with her character here is that she has to come around really Very fast oh, and like before the movie and, before and the movie starts. Essentially basically. off screen, right? Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. It, it turns out that we're set up that she's on uh, on the side of of the bad guys on the on the side of Ronan and Thanos. And then she sort of says, no, 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 I'm actually opposed to them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, she actually says that. It, it's, too, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's too bad because um, I think what makes that character really interesting is that they set her up in the comics, at least in the Annihilation comics. They set her up as this incredibly frightening character who is going to destroy you. And then she basically um, comes around kind of gradually and you realize oh wait she's on her side now wow this is really great and the shorthand in the movie it's kind of too bad because she doesn't have much of an arc um she's sort of like presented with karen gillen um as uh nebula as the green and the the green one and the blue one (laughs) and then um (laughs) double assassin one of them turns out to not be bad i guess maybe that's that's kind of my one big quibble with the movie and you know i i liked it a lot i think it was it's a lot of fun but the the kind of it's like it it almost needed to come packaged with like a ridiculous org chart of like the evil organization (laughs) because it's like there's there's thanos Thanos and he's got two daughters they're not actually his daughters they're like his adopted daughters and they don't like each other and they're working for some other guy and Ronan. maybe they'll turn on Thanos and maybe they'll turn on each other but it's not really clear what their motives are and, yes. and then Ronan also has a guy below him who will get a couple lines of dialogue so like you're gonna get to see a lot of different levels of our evil organization and there's really Yondu and he's with the yes. the, the Ravagers and the Ravagers have their own who are bad and are, but are really just space hillbillies so don't worry yeah, about they that they have a heart of gold but then there's <laughs> yeah. also the coolest they're weapon like, in the heart of Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy so there's that yeah like their spaceship is more like a space pickup truck and not like a <laughs> Space, evil black spooky <laughs> so don't worry about them a twisting lego bricks yeah. spaceship yeah. Well, I, I thought it was like a bose sound wave <laughs> <laughs> at no point can you spend a lot of time thinking about the movie because then you start saying things like i've had a walkman and i've listened to a cassette tape for six months at a time it was unlistenable you know? yeah that's not gonna work it yeah. didn't eat the tape what happened to the double A batteries? I assume, and oh, this is one yeah. of those things that if it was a TV show, you would see. I assume that over the years, Peter Quill had gotten like a space battery to mm-hmm. to to keep it charged. Also, they don't explain like he, you know, obviously what? Like, I'm, not, with I'm not worried. He's I'm got the in. He's got also got the dashboard cassette player. Yeah. that's yeah. separate. I'm not worried. He's, he's running the Walkman on an Infinity Stone. So I think it's space. It's really important to him. It's he's taking care of it. I think they've got him. Yeah, yeah. They, he's got he's got like the space tape conditioner that has worked. It's not really something that you that you need to question. It turns it's, it's, not, even, it's not even thing. a cassette tape. Yeah. He's he's re-encoded those to a little little uh-huh. chip that's just inside that tape. Inside the, like, the plastic. He, he likes In the Guardians the tape. of the Galaxy the is, universe. You know, <laughs> has, I, I feel like we've know. retconned this now. I, I, I am happy to say this is headcanon. We're good. I'm happy to say that my kids did not do this, but I heard several people in the theater when the when the tape is there just go and the Walkman. What is that? Mm, yeah, oh. what's he doing? And then it starts Ouch. playing music, whereas mine are like, "Hey, Walkman." Yeah, well, well we're gonna I skip done? that. You we're know. gonna skip past that <laughs> because you're rating them Amish. <laughs> I think we're we're but we're looping around where people have you know they have their phone cases that look like a Walkman, so we're okay. Yeah. They'll they'll buy those and they'll put them on their phone and then they'll sort yeah. of know what it is. What I like about Gamora is that she doesn't she doesn't have Trinity syndrome and she doesn't really have girlfriend syndrome. She actually mm. is a badass like Drax is. 
I, I what I don't like about her is that Drax has this sketch of his past, which is that his family got killed and he's mad. And Gamora's got this. She's you know she's got a flow chart. She's got a weird background, and she comes around immediately, or was already around, but we didn't know it. And it's just that that one that one bugged me because I I felt like. Um, that character probably could have been handled better, and I think it was probably just a matter of space. But yeah. but she felt like shorthand. Yeah, it's a matter of yeah. space and also a matter of dialogue. I mean, you look at the various characters, and they all, almost all of them, get to have a sides with each other. You know, you have that lovely scene mid movie that's just Drax and Groot and Rocket. Everybody's got dead people. Mm. Um, Gamora, every scene that she has, including her one one or two asides with uh, Quill are almost all very exposition heavy. Yeah. And it's almost yeah. all, so what happened to you? And not, whereas all of the other interchanges that happen with the other, like, two and three groups um, are are more of a back-and-forth patter. Um, and, I mean, it's it's hard in some way because Quill's, Quill's brand of humor is largely physical comedy slash uh, accidental pop culture references. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. Mm. But um, And then Gamora is just not really – she's not a funny person. Or at no. least like she – there's there's some humor to her character. But by and large, like she grew up in really terrifying situations. Uh, so you don't like – you don't really – I think that it might have just been – a loss of how to how to have that conversation. It's, whereas you know all the other conversations, we can we can put in like inject in a little doses of humor. And with uh, with Quill and Gamora's interactions, it's either dead serious or well, we have a little bit of romantic tension and maybe we can play with that. But then otherwise, it's all it's all expository, which uh, which is a challenge. It's kind of sad. I feel like they handled like Rocket's dialogue better than Gamora's in terms mm-hmm. of like yes. his a little bit like about his kind of like sadness that he is the only one of his kind and like you know it's it's just kind of him against the universe and that that kind of works out better than her dialogue unfortunately and I, I think it is really just the dialogue it's not the actress or anything like no, that. No I think uh, Zoe Saldana is, is excellent um, and you do the actually the thing um, the thing I wanted to commend her on is that later in the movie um, you get she she uses this you know otherwise kind of stale dialogue um and really puts in some she she's presented at the beginning of the movie like this steel-faced character right she is a badass she is an assassin have i ever failed um and mid movie you start to hear these sort of not quite quivers in her voice but the when she's talking about something that really matters to her everything kind of starts to break down. And the the one that comes to me is when they're in the Ravager ship uh, about mid-movie when she's like Quill is up against the wall with a, with an arrow at his throat and she's trying to be like, you've got to – like we've got to do something. They're going to hurt people. And she she puts all of her emotions into it. And for Gamora, that's maybe not a lot of emotion, but it's it's just enough that you start to get the the sense that – this is really important to her and in a way that yeah. something else isn't. I just wish she had an arc emotionally yes. instead of her yes. being always on the side of good because I felt like – I mean I get I why they I get why they did it, which is they wanted a strong woman in the cast and Gamora is a great character. But um, they didn't – she didn't have a journey there and you know, sort of – in, in in some ways, Karen Gillan's character and Zoe Saldana's character are the same character, and one of them just chose side A, and the other chose side B. Um, and you know, Blue Marine. Why? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you could you could have yeah. shown her being strong and evil, but growing stronger by 
turning good and you know fighting off nebula or even have a moment know. very early where she's like oh this is really terrible i was already having my doubts but this is bad but i, I felt like she's right. like it's too late it's too bad it's a fun character and she's a strong uh strong personality and zoe saldana has now been in like a billion different sci-fi franchises <laughs> she just needs yeah. to get into star wars <laughs> she gets into star wars she has the full she could be red in star wars <laughs> she knows a guy yeah. I was reading about how she's got some problems because she has to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Avatar 2 and 3, and she's pregnant. Wow. Oh, boy. Now, for Avatar, I don't think that matters that much. She's but... motion capture all the way, right? But for yeah. Guardians, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, we have more about the characters before we move on to other things. We have more about you want to single out about. I feel like we've been talking about these characters. I, I want to praise Groot again because I feel like I am Groot is going to be said on school playgrounds all this fall. <laughs> and I, I what a great what a great choice to bring that character in, and what a great realization. He he looks great. He is a tree who moves and is way better than Treebeard. Sorry, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, way better than Treebeard. Turns he, out, if you don't let them talk and monologue, yeah, he's so and he's so adorable. And all he says is, "I am Groot." And the thing that I I knew going in, he was only going to say, "I am Groot." The thing that I didn't realize is that he was going to have a conversation with Rocket, where Rocket knew exactly what he meant, even <laughs> though all he said was, "I am Groot." That blew me away. Yeah. That was such a great scene. They are I, ungrateful. I, <laughs> yes, I, I will say I between twelve percent is better than eleven <laughs> percent. <laughs> between Treebeard and Groot. I have Groot on my desk right now. Uh, yeah, as do I. Don't I have Treebeard. I, and I actually, was... even between Groot, sorry, between Groot and Rocket, I have Groot on my yeah. desk. Where it's yeah. like yeah. I really like Rocket as a character, and I he's definitely one of my favorites in the film. But as for the thing that you know, you kind of want to take home and like smile at. That's yeah. like Groot. All I, the yeah, way. I mean, well, Groot is kind of pure in the way the other characters are not right. Exactly. I mean, and, he is the other guys are all are, are all misfits and and you know should be in jail and it's kind of like Groot's just there because he happened to be standing next to to Rocket holding the bag <laughs> well, for him right he, I Groot, mean like Groot is a misfit in that he doesn't fit in with these other people but not because of anything inherent to him it's just yeah he, he's not he's like not that. a bad guy he's not a bounty yeah. hunter he just hangs out with a bounty hunter right you know I, yeah. I've actually got Rocket on my desk but that's because I opened a random hero clicks bag from <laughs> Fred Hall. no that I is have, your desk John C Riley on my desk so so Rocket I wanted to something I wanted to mention about Rocket that I think is really clever and is a smart thing to do in this movie is that the t- the types you know you get hero types and you get you get you get uh, supporting character types and Rocket is uh, we could actually go back to the A team you know Rocket is mm. is kind of like the muscle um he he or he could be face man only because it's oh, Bradley Cooper right but, but he's he, also the brains but he's this yeah. that's the trick yeah. is that is that by making Peter Quill a goof by making Chris Pratt be like he's smart, but he's not that smart. He, he's he's survived, he's, but he doesn't really have. He's inspirational speech yeah, smart. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't really have it together, and he doesn't have a plan. And by he's, putting he's that a pretty face, but putting that in Rocket and saying in that wonderful breakout scene, you know, I got a, I, I'm working on, it, and he totally has this amazing plan sketched out. I love that because that takes that takes first off that takes uh Peter Quill into being more interesting in that he's got that moment where he's got to be like all right, well, I'm going to go get that guy's leg and <laughs> it'll all work out. And then and it it makes Rocket nuanced because Rocket is then not just the itchy trigger finger mercenary guy. Because he's got, there's a reason he's a space grifter and bounty hunter. It's because he's really smart and gets underestimated 
and he has an itchy trigger finger. And, and so, he, yeah, so he can get modulated by the other people, but he's he's still the smart one, and that 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 means he's not the, the your usual type. And I love that. I love that he's not somebody I've seen a million times before. Well, something I liked in that scene was even though the leg is just for comedy, they took an actual character moment that we see that. Peter Quill gets the leg through negotiation and not just attacking the guy. <laughs> right. I thought that yeah. was really nice of him. While crazy things are exploding, he's having a conversation. Come on, man. Give yeah. me the leg. I got some stuff here. Well, I'll trade you some credits. It's just, it's it's a nice, um, it's subtle building out of Quill. And and the fact that Rocket does have these these tendencies, despite the fact that he's, you know, he's very smart and has an itchy trigger finger, but also has a you know a very wry sense of humor and the fact that it gets carried up again and we're gonna need that guy's eye it's important to me <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was basically sold on this movie from the trailer as like yeah raccoon with a machine gun i'll see that i'm in <laughs> yeah. but like and, and rocket is so much more than that and i think he's actually even perhaps even more than he is in the comics which i which i went back and read um i don't know he's, he's really great in this he's very nuanced Time to take a short break. This episode of The Incomparable, one of our sponsors is the really nice people at Smile Software. And what I want to tell you about today is their amazing app called PDF Pen. If you work with PDFs, you need PDF Pen. It is a multi-purpose PDF editor. It can make changes to PDFs, fix your typos, resize images, combine multiple PDF files into a single file, and extract pages from one document into a new PDF. It can perform OCR, so you can digitize scanned documents as part of a paperless workflow. I love that. I have a document scanner, and I use this very feature in PDF Pen. It can even redact sensitive information, and it's really redacted. It removes it permanently and completely within that PDF. So if you need to black some stuff out, attention NSA, you can do it yourself with PDF Pen. It includes Microsoft Word export, an editing bar for faster workflow. It's got retina graphic support, auto-saving, document versions, and so much more. It's a complete PDF tool. And if you compare it to some of the other PDF-based tools that are out there on the market, you will be shocked to discover it's available for only $59.95. You can download a free demo, check it out, and see just how easily you can edit PDFs with PDF Pen. It's also available for iPad and iPhone. PDF Pen Scan Plus brings mobile OCR now to iPad and iPhone. So many different things you can do with PDF Pen. So check it out. Here's where you go. Smilesoftware.com slash incomparable. That's it. Smilesoftware.com slash incomparable. That lets them know that we sent you. And thank you so much to Smile Software and PDF Pen for sponsoring The Incomparable. On the subject of I Am Groot, I just want to mention this because I actually did the research. Uh, Groot starts off talking like a, well, like a lordly tree monster when he first appears yeah. in 1960. And even in Annihilation Conquest, he's talking normally. There's a, an Annihilation Conquest Star-Lord miniseries that kind of brings him back. He talks normally through all of that. Then in the miniseries Annihilation Conquest, I'm fascinated by this. He only says, I am Groot, in issue three. In issue four, he talks normally again. And then in issue five, he's back to saying only I am Groot. 
Yeah, I read one comic where he kind of he talks like in caveman speak, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> I was sold a bill of goods. Obviously, yeah. in the the screenwriters saw episode three and five and thought, oh, that's really good. We could use that. The guy who only <laughs> says I am Groot. They decided during that miniseries. I guess didn't tell the person who was writing issue four. <laughs> and that was in like 2008. And ever since then, he's only said, I am Groot. Welcome to the consistency <laughs> yeah. of Marvel of comics, the web comics events. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Marvel. I wanted to, I wanted to toss out, um, uh, about the Nova core, just because I wanted to, I wanted to mention that I thought the ships were kind of neat. And the fact that they can make like a little mm-hmm. Tholian web kind of thing. Yeah. That's so exactly neat. what I thought. <laughs> so neat. That was pretty neat. I mean, cause in the, in the comics, the Nova core are superheroes basically. And so they made them instead, they made them fighter pilots, which I think is good. And if they ever wanted to do a Nova movie, eventually they could say, well, now that those guys died, we made them superheroes instead. But, um, and then John C. Riley is fun. And Peter Serafinowicz, who, uh, if you watch UK TV or listen to our UK TV episode, <laughs> um, uh, look around you is fantastic. But he was also the voice. He was the voice of Darth Maul, not the body, just the voice. Um, he's great. He's perfectly cast because there's a moment where he has to speak over the radio to Peter Quill, and you have to know exactly who that is. And luckily, even if you don't know Peter Serafinowicz. You recognize his voice. You know the voice. He has a yeah. very distinctive voice. Are you looking forward to the Zandarian police procedural where it's him and <laughs> Riley solving like muggings every week? Come on, yeah, he's I would dead. watch that. He's Make dead. it happen. His well, brother, his brother. Zandar Law. It's in the past. Zandar it's like when they Order. were when they were rookies. They were just out of the yeah, academy. It's a prequel. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And John C. So so Peter Serafinowicz and John C. Riley, um, and and Marvel trivia nerd guy. Um, you know how in Greenland. <laughs> In Green Lantern, there's a Green Lantern who crashes on Earth and he gives his powers to a human because he's dying. Um, totally different subject in the in Nova number one. Uh, a Nova Corps guy comes to Earth and dies and gives his powers to somebody. It's totally different. Totally different. Uh, but anyway, that, that character is John C. Riley's character. The guy who bestows the Nova powers on Richard Ryder in Nova is Roman Day. So they, they are recycling these like totally random uh, Marvel Comics things, which I really liked. But I thought that was I thought that was fun, and I thought them in the police lineup was really great. I do have a tone question here, which is this is a Marvel movie where we get a lot of like shits, but they say a-holes. Is that, that supposed to be cool? Is it is it I, cool to say a hole now instead of asshole? Or I think that's Serafinowitz realizing that's funnier. I don't. It just seemed it's weird. Just funnier. I was like, oh wow, they can't say bad words, and then there's then there are multiple shits in this movie. Well, but so. it's Nova Corps can't swear. Yeah. It's in their code. <laughs> well, I think they used up their PG thirteen on the quota. shits. Yeah. yeah, on the like, on the shits. And I think the it's Nova Corps. And... It's true. Yeah, you don't prick. see the Ravagers but... say a hole. Yeah, I mean, there definitely there definitely is specific tonal speech for all of these. So the, people, the Nova Corps really are the appreciate. they are the uptight. I mean, yeah. again, they they're using that well, and Glenn totally, Close too. Yeah. They are the super. We are way too perfect, um, and we're not on the side of the perfect sci-fi society, right? We're 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 not. They're boring. We want to have fun with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think is really effective. And they do throw in the word DAST, which is the all-purpose yeah. Marvel cosmic space fake space swear, swear word. Because you yeah. need one if you're a science it's fiction your, yeah, It's your yeah. frack. It's your yeah. frill. It's your, you know, yeah. It's your you filter carb. It's your filter carb. It's your, <laughs> your Shazbot. Um, the... 
Uh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a little, uh, that was a Robin Williams tribute there. Uh, ben, uh, Benicio del Toro makes a the collector, a brief visit mm. as the collector who I remember from Contest of Champions, which was in many ways the original comic book miniseries where they got all the heroes together. Um, and he's in a very weird scene, um, which sort of says to me, this is going to be connected to other movies in the future kind of thing more than anything else. There's a cot picture of the cosmic cube from the Avengers in that, in that scene. And then he's in the end credit scene with Howard, the duck. I kind of thought we were going to see more of the collector in this movie. I um, think, I think they're saving think him for will. other movies. Okay. Right? Cause there may, there yeah. may be only so much you can do with the collector. Right. I mean, cause it's, he doesn't yeah. go places. He has agents that, you know, do stuff for him and then you have to come to his hideout, which is a little blown up right now. So. Check <laughs> in with also, me later when I've remodeled. <laughs> you get that kind of feeling, of course, from the from the end credit sequence in the the last Thor movie, um, that he's collecting what we now know are Infinity Stones. Yes, right. Um, and while that may tie into Avengers, Avengers th- two, or I think three, it's Avengers three. Yeah. Yeah. Avengers oh three. <laughs> phase, it's Phase three because of uh, the robot for two, but um, it may not just be you know Thanos wants the gauntlet, but there may be I, I feel like we're we'll see more of him. Probably oh, yeah. not more of yeah. Howard the Duck, hopefully. Probably not, although that's a funny <laughs> that's a funny little reference. And then there's Thanos, who is actually Josh Brolin, um, who is going to be in other Marvel movies and has signed signed a contract and whether it's if he appears again in Avengers two or whether he's only saved for Avengers three or a Thor three or something like that. Well he's, certainly Guardians two, right? Certainly yeah. Guardians two, right? Yeah. And and that's Thanos, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, Jim Sterling, who created a lot of these cosmic characters, created Thanos, and he created, um, uh, I think, created Star Lord. And uh, you know, that's a really interesting character because he is like a super. Um, the whole idea of those cosmic villains, it's like it's like Dark Side on on DC. It's like they're so power. You, you've only met the villains who are bad on Earth. Now there are these villains who are so powerful they can destroy everything in the universe. And Thanos is like that, right? And so yeah. he's in one scene, and uh, and you, he's the crossover with the Avengers because he's in the post credit se- sequence for the Avengers. He's kind of like the guy who made the deal to send the army to Loki to attack New York and the Avengers. And I thought that was a perfectly fine little scene with him um, I, I don't know but it's well, just it's all world building it's not it doesn't really yeah. have it, it, and it's part of that yeah. confusing exposition part of the movie it's a homework scene right it it's is like, this is so yeah. we can do other stuff yeah. I, I thought it was kind of silly and a little you know in you know popped in there without and and I didn't re- I didn't even really like the imagery of that scene and I liked so much of the imagery of the other stuff I was just like you have to come meet with me on my like, spooky on my, asteroid on my floating, office yeah. on my floating, on my floating asteroid rock. ground <laughs> even though clearly we have a great Skype connection that's going to work in yeah. other yeah. places yeah. no no this is my floating rock that you saw in the Avengers remember yeah. and, remember this and, rock spooky. but it takes some of the power away. But if yeah. you're doing this as a standalone yeah. movie, you wouldn't do it, right? You just wouldn't yeah. do it. It's it, you just right. make Ronan, Ronan the big bad, and you wouldn't worry about it. But they got to set know, up other stories, and so you, this movie it was, is yeah. compromised a little bit. But it was hard because they also kind of sacrificed. Like, I mean, we have not talked about Ronan that much so far because I think he he kind of falls he flat in a lot. Of why? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like. We, you know, all we know is he's angry. Like that is, that is his backstory, right? Yeah, it's yep. like he's angry, and that's bad. And now he has, he has anger stuff issues. But like, he has but, anger issues about everything. I mean, I guess he's I almost wish they had like peace treaty. Yeah, peace treaty. He's angry about it. Yeah. I, I almost wish they had like 
cut out the the Thanos part and given us a little bit more to work with in terms of like who is Ronan? Why does he have this stuff? You know what? Oh yeah, Tony. You know I think that is the number one problem with this movie is that Ronan the is, is a just... and it's Lee Pace. He's an interesting actor, yeah. and this is Ronan is a a, a blank. He is yeah. not interesting in any way. He's you know. <sighs> You know, we can debate whether he is more or less interesting than Eric Bana in Star Trek, but it's one of those characters where mm. he's a big bad and he's supposed to be scary, and he's nobody. And it's really a shame when you have all of these other powerful personalities and um, um, Michael Rooker from The Walking Dead as uh, as Yondu is interesting, and Jaiman Hansu is and interesting. Even like, hmm? Yondu kind of gets a better scene to show how way better badass oh, he is. Where oh he, my god! I'm going to kill like 20 guys with my arrow I control by whistling. That's like that's <laughs> yeah. cool. And I, I haven't seen a movie with an arrow controlled by whistling yet. That's yeah. exciting to me. Whereas that's awesome. new. Whereas yeah. Ronan gets like I'm going to walk into a room and people are going to put black cloaks on me, and that's how you know I'm bad. <laughs> And right? throw dust on my torso. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to monologue. That's how you know I'm torso important. dust is a key yeah. sign of a villain, though. You're right, Red. That's yeah. torso dust is a big deal. No, yeah. Ronan, well, he's just nobody. Like, yeah, yeah. Going back to the Star Wars comparisons for a second, I feel like they're like, oh, well, we've we've got the we can get the Darth Vader character and the Empire and the Emperor character, right? And you know, Darth Vader has that scene where like the helmet comes on, so maybe that's what we're going to do is we're going to build up that this character is big yeah. and. And scary and, and assuming, but we never, you know, we don't get the force choking scene. Never happens. We get, right. I mean, we get a, we get the. Oh, I'm gonna hit somebody with my big giant hammer who's already in chains, uh, <laughs> which is, it's. I understand the comparison and where they're going with it, but it just doesn't. It doesn't quite work. And he and he doesn't. The 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 part where Ronan starts to be a little bit interesting is his reaction to Peter Quill. Doing a dance off. Yeah, he doesn't uh, last yes. long, so d- don't get attached last to that scene. moment. Yeah, <laughs> it's also it's hard because none of the guardians are really take him that seriously either, right? I mean, obviously Peter takes nothing seriously, but you know Drax thinks that he can take him on one on one. So it's like definitely no one really thinks he's that scary, right? You know, I guess no, his, nebulas, his, nebulas his temp scarier. workers do, Actually, right? You know? you know, the big difference between Ren, something you said that really struck me. Uh, the big difference between this movie and Star Wars is that. Uh, in Star Wars, Darth Vader is one of the main instruments of this giant oppressive empire. And so when we see him, he is he is not just a scary guy, but he is commanding a whole bunch of people who are doing terrible things. And, and, and the universe of Guardians of the Galaxy, the empire such as it is, is Xandar and the Novas. And... Everything else is chaos. So we've got bad guy org chart, Tony, right? Bad guy org chart. <laughs> Which does actually Thanos. get shown up on the screen, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's good. Microsoft has a plugin that lets you do that. <laughs> and then there's the good guy org chart, sort of, or the rogue org chart, I suppose, which has got the Guardians of the Galaxy in it. And you've got your your uh your Ravagers org chart with with Michael Rooker, but it it it's um it's all these different factions of yeah, rebels. Which actually is less complicated than some of the Guardians of the Galaxy comics, where there is then a separate, like, scroll org chart. Oh, I'm sure. And there's the Kree oh, Empire oh. and all that. But my, yeah. po- my point is that Ronan, then, is not this uh, enforcer from this giant star empire, emperor or empire. He is a bad dude who works for another bad dude who is fighting with all the other groups <laughs> of bad dudes over stuff. And that that's not Darth Vader. He's not Darth Vader. He is just some hired, 
you know, tough guy. And and as a result, Ronan's kind of a blank. And I, I totally think that this is an example where, because they have to split the difference between Ronan and Thanos, that the movie is not as strong as it could be because the villain has to get weakened for continuity. Um, it's more like Odd Job throwing a tantrum while he's taking a break from <laughs> Goldfinger. You know, he's he's not <laughs> that scene really... where Ronan throws the, throws his hat and it kills <laughs> yes. the guy. It's amazing. But even then, weird because I mean, Ronan doesn't get to do a lot because then Ronan has his own guys that he sends out and does stuff, right? Exactly. I mean, he has Korov is the first bad guy that we see, right? Uh, who's his his top henchman? Who's who's down on the planet trying to chase uh, Peter Quill and keep him from getting the Infinity Stone? And like, you know, he kind of gets almost a, a decent amount of screen time and interacts with the the good guys way, way, way before Ronan ever actually act, like interacts with anybody except like via spooky Skype connection. So <laughs> yeah, he's he's yeah. middle management. Yeah, and, that's yeah. There is a wonderful the most space, thing of space all. middle management is the worst middle management. <laughs> oh, so much there, paperwork. There is a wonderful post at the dissolve.com that's called Marvel's Big Bad is Becoming a Problem. And mm. I, I'm not, I won't even go into the whole thing. I'll just say go read it uh, because it's wonderful. It talks about how basically after all these films so far and all these confrontations and everything they're building up, what has Thanos done? He's gotten the Avengers together, and he's gotten the Guardians the together, galaxy, yeah. and all the Infinity Stones and and stuff are safe so far. <laughs> and uh, basically, the thesis of this is that a better comparison for Thanos than Emperor Palpatine is Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> he's about as effective as as Doctor Claw. No, no, you don't understand. He is he is making all this happen. Thanos is Stan Lee. Well, there you go. Uh, so he is a bad guy. Best cameo ever. Yeah, I mean, it's. I find uh, Thanos, the character, again, deeply flawed. And I think at a certain point, they realize it. Like, I think during production, they kind of realized, well, it's going to be hard for anyone to take this this guy seriously because he is middle management and because he's oh, oh, Ronan to... Ronan you mean yeah Ronan sorry right. not 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 Thanos um, yeah he's middle management yeah. he's, he's no he's he's supposed to be the big bad but he's not the big bad and it's it's a compromised role yeah so now they they I mean you have the Guardians not taking him so seriously and kind of rolling rolling their eyes with the exception of of course uh, Gamora who I guess probably knows a little bit more about what Ronan actually has done beyond you know Malleting the one person, uh, but there was a there was an interview that I read with James Gunn um, after I saw the movie where he mentioned that originally his plan was to have to have Thanos as the big bad, and that mm. midway through, Marvel was kind of like, yeah, we're gonna take him and we need him, him for Avengers elsewhere. three. Yeah, yeah. exactly, oh, exactly. And so they're like, oh that's crud, yeah, we rework this a little bit. So. I think the, you know, it was supposed to be a little bit Dr. Claw Scooby-Doo-esque with mm. the Guardians, the Guardians butting heads against Thanos and having the first big confrontation. And instead, you got to get this thing with Ronan, which, again, I feel like um, because the Guardians don't take it so seriously, when I went in and watched it the second time, I didn't really take it all that seriously either. And yeah. looking at him as, oh, I'm a... You know, I feel so big and powerful because I've got a warship and I'm going to do things. And then you basically have that scene where Thanos kind of is just leaning back in his chair and being like, oh, boy, you silly person. <laughs> you know, you you go fetch me my stone and have some fun. Nice chair, um, by the way. Beautiful yeah. chair. Beautiful chair. Mm. Yeah. 
or sorry, lazy deity. It, it's got a little vibrator in the back for like the the Ooh. lumbar support. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're sitting on an asteroid all day, your back's yeah, going to get a little bit hurt. Yeah. I don't know if there's any gravity worse than the Iron Throne. just be you know? floating. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk really quickly about Peter Quill because we talked a little bit yes, about please. him. Yes, please. But um, the thing for me that really made him such an interesting character uh, is actually the thing that normally really bugs me about movies released lately, which is the pop culture references, um, in terms of the fact that Quill is painted in in such a wonderful way as a twelve year old with space toys. As a, <laughs> like he's he's supposed to be th- early thirties in this movie, um, and in some ways you can tell that yes, he is competent. He's a very good spaceship pilot, and he knows how to get himself out of a jam. But you've got the music, which we've talked about to a certain extent, um, influencing his his abilities and his, uh, you know, steadfast devotion to these things of his childhood because they're the only things he knows and they're the only things that tie him to Earth. So you've got these occasional weird pop culture references and you've got uh, him talking to Rocket. Oh, Raccoon. You know, you've got um, Ranger Rick, all of that stuff. Oh, that was good Yeah, yeah, it's it's pulled out so – it's pulled out so intentionally um, that it – it works as a way to further define his character rather than just we're going to say a pop culture reference and it's going to be funny. Um, you just mm-hmm. he's in a you know, he's in he's the ultimate kid in Arrested Development. He's a kid who got to yeah. who got abducted and then now has a his own spaceship and has, you know, some deep seated, deep seated uh, belief in doing what's right uh, when it really comes down to it. But it's, it's kind of a tool, like a lovable tool, mm-hmm. but but a tool. And well, if you think about it, three, three fifths of them are uh, you know grown man child types. Yeah. You know, Quill and Groot and Drax, and it's it's Gamora and Rocket who are presumably mature adults. And maybe that's not the word, but. Because yeah. they're alien, but I don't know. But but well, Peter has never had to grow up, right? In fact, I think that's right. sort of the suggestion here is that because he's been with the Ravagers, he is in this ex- extended period of being a, like a teenager. He's not an adult. He's uh, this movie. Well, the definitely, Lost Boys. This definitely movie feels like this. Peter Quill's story here is that he's finally got to grow up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I did like that. He's not just saying pop culture references. He's saying the appropriate pop culture references for this character. <laughs> right. Nothing after 1988. Yeah. And nobody after gets it. Of, yeah. After I got yeah. out of the movie, I was a little bothered by the fact that they were all accurate. Because I'm not <laughs> sure how well I do at saying only things that happened to me up until I was 12 if I never got and to And abducted go back. by aliens. Well, right. If, yeah. if, if that you was your only it. link, yeah, you, you would focus on it. And sort of turn those over and over and over and over in your head. But wouldn't it be more fun if he got one wrong? Maybe he's got his trapper keeper in his backpack with like his like top ten lists. Yeah, you know. We we have seen over and over again. We see the little cards that he has stuck around the spaceship, and we see the trolls and yeah, yes, good use of a troll doll. Yeah, oh, troll doll. Best use of a troll doll. All right, I'm going to take another break because I must serve my lord and master Squarespace. It turns out, you may not know this, Squarespace owns the entire podcast medium and they tell us what to do. All opinions of all hosts on all podcasts ever brought to you by Squarespace. But 
here's the good news. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. We've got a special code for you. Snell sent me. That'll get you a free trial and 10% off when you choose to buy. So visit squarespace.com, squarespace.com, and use offer code Snell sent me. Now, I've been building websites for a long time. The first website I built didn't even have a web server. It used anonymous FTP instead. And things have come a long way with the web, and I've been building the incomparable.com out and learning a lot about how much better the web is now. The bar has really been raised in terms of what you can do with CSS and JavaScript, responsive design, things like that. Um, And the good news is you don't have to go it alone because Squarespace makes it simple and easy to create a beautiful design for your custom website. They've got easy drag and drop tools to make it happen. If you need help, they have 24-7 tech support through live chat and email. Their support elves are located in New York City, in Dublin, and in Portland, so they're stretched out across the globe. You can reach Squarespace support anytime you need it, no matter where you are in the world. And plans start at only $8 a month. And if you sign up for a whole year, They'll throw in a free domain name registration for that. So it's really a great deal, legitimately a great deal. And each template they've got includes responsive design. So they'll look great on mobile. They'll look great on the desktop. And every single site comes with an online store. So if you want to sell, it's not a giant upsell to, oh, well, you're making money on the Internet. That's a different story. Now we're going to charge you a fortune. It's just not true with Squarespace. Every site comes with e-commerce features in an online store. E-commerce, by the way, is a word that we used back in the day when nobody bought anything on the Internet. But now, just say it's an online store. You spend money. It's easy. Every Squarespace site comes with it. It's just not a big deal. It's just right there for you when you want to sell stuff. So get started. Free trial, no credit card required, and start building your website today. I'm sure you've got a website in you waiting to get out. Squarespace is the way to get it out as easy as possible and for a low price. And we're going to make it even easier. Sign up for Squarespace, use offer code Snell sent me and get 10% off and show your support for the incomparable. Thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring me and telling me what all of my opinions are. I love you. Keep sending those radio waves over to my tinfoil hat. And uh, thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring the show. One thing I really liked about this movie is how colorful it is, especially comparing it to DC's movies, especially. But <laughs> this, the scene... Dark, went, monochromatic, yeah. sad, be Gloom, sad. bleak. I really liked the scene where Quill and Gamora are out on that balcony outside the bar. Oh. And mm. the background is just this crazy swirling mass of color that looks like Jim Starlin painted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that one scene, it felt like Marvel space comics to me and also had more color than will be in all of Superman V Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of nowhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That. Oh, I, so I went to go see it, uh, the movie again on a, on our local 80 foot IMAX screen specifically to see that scene again and i imagine that i probably want to go another time to the theater like it's like it's not necessarily that the movie is so amazingly over the top good that i'm like again 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 uh it's it's pretty good but the the visuals are really they demand being seen on a big screen uh in a way that a lot of movies recently don't so much like okay you can see a lot of buildings blow up that's fun but uh <laughs> but being able to like yes the giant head of a dead celestial <laughs> and then we zoom in and it's this beautifully intricate mining colony with 
things flowing all over and beautiful color theory and you've got Moonage Daydream blasting in your ears. It's just mm. it's so note perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see it again and again just because it's beautiful to look at. It's like I was saying about the landscapes. It just it looks like all the great, you know, uh, 30s and 40s golden age of sci-fi pulp magazine yeah. covers. It is, you know, Chesley Bonestell paintings and Well, the whole oh. goal here is to have I mean, this is about a a fun movie and a space movie and Marvel I kind of feel like at times Marvel's playing with the house's money here. They're like, you know, we have done so much that's been successful that we can afford to take a chance on something and let's make it a sci-fi movie and let's make it fun and irreverent yeah. and make it look not like every other sci-fi movie and you know you can it 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 does feel like a gamble um not necessarily a totally insane gamble but it does feel like they they had enough clout that they could they could do this and see how it went and and it has been wildly successful which is great to see yeah Yeah. and honestly whoever's cutting their trailers needs a raise Oh my god. Yes. Well the trailer god. is the trailer is better than the movie, I actually think. Because I like <laughs> I like the movie and I love the trailer. The trailer although I will say this, this oh. is something that you know, so many trailers give away all the anything that's funny, they give away all the good jokes in the trailers. There are a lot of fantastic jokes in this movie that were never spoiled by the trailers. And Thank I gotta give them a raise for that too. That they they yeah. they, they uh kept their powder dry. They only used some of the jokes and they kept some of the jokes behind. And they used almost nothing of Rocket. I know. Right. And the use of Hooked on a Feeling in mm-hmm. the first trailer and Spirit in the Sky in the second trailer, beautiful uh, cutting of of visual yep. to, to audio. And and there's almost none of those songs in the movie. I mean, Hooked on a Feeling is just in the background. It makes you scene. wonder why Hooked on the Feeling, why that choice, right? And then when you see the movie and you see the tape, you're like, oh, it actually, yeah. it actually is yeah. like a, a planting a seed for for what the movie is going to have in it which oh, yeah. instead of it being just a quirky mu- music choice it's actually about the plot of the movie what a yeah, great it's integral yeah what one, a great one of the things that, that killed me at, at the beginning of the movie when when young peter is there and his mother is dying and 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 my 12 year old kind of leans there and goes are you gonna cry <laughs> no no i'm fine i'm fine and you know it's it, just it's it was, really dusty in here it was getting a little dusty but you know i, I held it together but at the end when when he finally opens up his his gift from his mother that he never opened oh. up and i won't say what that is because spoiler horn or not that should be a good surprise um i looked over and he's just kind of you know <laughs> yeah like are you gonna cry he goes, yeah so <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, I think one of the things that I love about this movie and one of the reasons why I've gone to see it a couple times and, and want to see it again is that it has heart and it has emotion mm. in a way that a lot of movies recently, you know, especially genre films, uh, do not. And I don't mean emotion just in the, you know, it's dusty in here kind of emotion, but it makes you laugh so hard. It makes you hurt you know, there are the moment, the moment where Groot sacrifices himself, it makes you, it makes you hurt. It really, yeah. like, you may not, you may not be bawling, but you, you feel something. Even the, the climactic moment of the movie, which should be so ridiculously campy that 
you would laugh is actually moving and touching. And then there's that one – there's sort of a flash, which again, I won't spoil um, as to how it how it goes. But during that climax where Peter Quill is looking at somebody and then suddenly he's looking at somebody else and yep. n- that yeah. hits you. It yeah. hits you. It's and they've corny earned it. as hell, but it works. Yeah. They've earned it. And it's – to me – the fact that this movie can pull that off despite its flaws, despite its quirks, um, means that it's a it's something that's going to stick with me, and it's something that I want to I want to see again, and I want to quote, and I want to you know put on my shelf. How do the rest of you uh, sort of rate this, calibrate this movie? We all have spoken charitably of it, but I'm kind of curious, you know, where what do you? Where does it where does it fall? Is it is it a you know really fantastic fun movie? Is it sort of in the middle? I'm I'm, I'm curious about that, David. What do you think? I you know it, it's one of those movies where I can see little problems with it that maybe I would tweak, and especially hearing about how Marvel said no 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 we want Thanos and you have to rework this and it's like well oh that explains a lot of mm. the little issues I had with it. Um, you know I think that the first half hour could be a little tighter. I think it doesn't really take off until the prison break. But from that point on, it's just it hits the ground and keeps going, Mm. except when you have to, like, see Ronan talking. But um, But that doesn't happen a lot. (laughs) No, it doesn't doesn't happen a lot. Especially after the first 30 minutes. And and it moves again. It moves really quickly. And so it's one of those movies that I just enjoyed so damn much. I don't care about the problems that I that Mm. I picked out with it. You know, I. It, it's like the Harlan Ellison line from from his movie reviewing days. It kept me wrapped and happy as it danced before my eyes, mm. and it and it did. It's just, you know, and it, it's 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 the thing you said and and Ren said. It's it's just fun, and so many movies have forgotten to be fun, and and especially comic book movies, they they've forgotten to be fun, and they've forgotten that heroes can be heroes because they're just good people. Superman is just good. He's not conflicted. Shut up. Anyway, sorry. I wasn't on that podcast. Tone, tone thank, thank goodness for that. No, that's okay. We beat, we beat it to death anyway. Oh, yeah. You, 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 got, you got it. Tony, uh, what do you think about where this one fits? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Um, I, I think this was a really fun movie for me. And there are things I quibble about and that I, you know, I can always kind of nitpick. But I it was I was really fun and I had pretty high expectations going into this. I, um, you know, I enjoy all the kind of Marvel cinematic movies. Uh, the last couple I think I've enjoyed a lot, but they have definitely been not as fun. If you look at the, hmm. the like Phase Two, right? I mean, Thor Two and Captain America Two are I enjoyed those movies. Other people might not have, but they're not they're not really as fun as some of the earlier uh, Iron Man stuff. Iron Man Three not as fun as earlier Iron Man. Um, so for me, this was really fun. I, I would put this up there as you know. I think this is probably. Uh, the most fun movie I'd seen since uh, The World's End, um, which oh, was, wow. you know, one of the most That's fun movies fun I've seen movie. in a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. But um, but it's also not super far back. Um, so, yeah, there are the things I can nitpick, but there's there's a lot about this movie that's really good and was really fun for me. And I was I, I went in with high expectations and my expectations were surpassed. Oh, nice. Monty, what do you, what's your overall verdict? Uh, well, like everyone else, I thought this movie was super, super fun. Um it's not flawless. I agree with some of the people on the internet who have pointed out certain sexist elements of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Drax is completely literal with everything except for that time he calls Gamora a whore. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That, not great. And, yeah. But. <laughs> I don't like the climactic bitch to Ronan either, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. 
but I enjoyed watching this movie so much that I view those as flaws in a really fun movie. Mm. Whereas if I didn't enjoy the movie, I might view them differently. <laughs> well, I mean, as we said with everything, and this is like goes back to when Andy was on and talking about the Avengers. It's like, look, if the spell is broken or it's never cast for you, then it's just not going to work. Uh, and that happens with movies sometimes. Um, I'm with I'm with you guys. I I, we, I think we're all on a. We didn't like do a loyalty test before we started this episode. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I, I you know I unlike I, I think Ren is the most enthusiastic about it. Uh, I I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it, and I want to see it again because it was fun, and because I feel like the more I watch it, the more I'm going to appreciate a lot of the details that I I focused in on that I really love, like Groot, for example. But a, a lot of it is really fun and. Uh, and it, that goes a long way to me is is, is seeing a movie. I mean, I, I've said this before on this podcast. Like when when my wife and I came out of Serenity, the the Firefly follow up movie, we looked at each other and we were like, "That was just fun." That, I haven't come out of a sci fi or fantasy movie and just felt like exhilarated with how fun the ride was in a long time. Which isn't to say that there aren't other amazing movies in the genre and that it isn't great that sometimes genre movies take themselves seriously and say serious things but there is something to be said for a movie that's fun and guardians of the galaxy is fun i don't think it was as good as um captain america 2 actually i like that movie better it, I, I i although i sort of see what tony's saying it was not that's kind of a weird comparison as so. fun well yeah, yeah. they're very different movies, they're very right? totally they're very different. Tighter, totally, yeah. totally different tighter but I, I, i've seen some people say oh marvel this is the greatest thing ever. it's like nah. i actually I, I i wouldn't it's not the best movie i saw this summer it's not the best marvel movie i saw this summer but it's fun in a way it that, is the most fun movie yeah. i've seen also i thought thor 2 was terrible if, but anyway that's <laughs> another if, podcast. if there are more fun movies i should be watching please let me know <laughs> but yeah but, I'm I, I I funny like that we're empty. it's funny that we're all we're gravitating to that word word fun, but I'm right there with you. It's like yeah, it buys off a lot of flaws because of the tone and the style and the joy in the telling and the fun of these characters and how they're a little bit different from the usual. So I'm with I, you there. I just liked that it was it was a movie that I took both of the boys to on opening night for the first show and they were both excited about it and we all watched it and we wanted to watch it immediately. Mm. As yeah. soon as it was done. I, I don't think we've seen anything that's done that. Oh, that's something else I really appreciated about it. Now we no longer have midnight Thursday night showings. We have 7 p.m. 7 Thursday night showings. So I can yeah. see the first showing yes. and get to bed. Yes. Much, much more appreciated. <laughs> it's the old person's lament. Yeah. The, um, the thing actually that I wanted to, to say before we kind of close it out is that actually Serenity is a good, a good comparison. And, and that's actually where I would rank where I, like I really enjoy this movie and it it's one of those things where it's like like Serenity like The Rocketeer you know movies that mm. are I wouldn't necessarily put in my top 5 like desert island picks but movies that like I want to feel a certain way you know I want to not be depressed I want to have a good fun escapist time at the movies um Guardians is definitely on that list and probably very high up that list where it's mm. like this this captures a certain a certain kind of fun, a certain emotion that you want to pop in on like a rainy day and just be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go visit my friends Chris Pratt and and Zoe Saldana and and Bradley Cooper and watch them take over the, you know, the computer <laughs> models of Groot and Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's it's fizzy. Yes. Can I recommend another James Gunn movie people may not have heard of? Sure. It's The Specials from 2000 or 2000. 2000, I'm saying here. Mm -hmm. 
It's uh, mm-hmm. about a group of misfit superheroes, and it stars Rob, Rob Lowe and Thomas Hayden Church and Judy Greer and Paget mm-hmm. Rooster. And he made it for a million dollars, and it's super cheap, and I think it's a lot of fun. Huh. All right. It's way more fun than the supers. <laughs> okay, the specials. Not the yeah. supers, not the ropers. The specials. <laughs> Got it. All right, well, I think we've reached the end, but this was fun to talk about a movie that we've seen recently instead of a movie from the distant past, which is usually what we do on this podcast. (laughs) So, And I'm glad I finally got to see it because I don't see that many movies in the theaters these days, and I got to see this one within a week of its release, which is really exciting. All right, we've reached the end, so I want to thank my guests, as I always do. Monty, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's great having you here. David Lore, thank you for being here. Your Skype avatar is now you with a Rocket Raccoon toy. I'm I'm going to need that guy's eye before we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I'll get you the... But I got you this leg. What are you talking about? No, I don't need the leg. I need the eye. Is he secretly building a person? It could be. Rocket... I wouldn't put it past Rocket. <laughs> or like an exoskeleton he can he can uh, like wear as a disguise. Ooh, yeah. That might be fun. It's important to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony, Tony Sindelar, thank you so much for being here. 12% of a podcast is better than 11% of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Guardians of the Galaxy Caldwell, thank you for being here. Because <laughs> it's we a planet serenity groups. in your heart, you see. So Aww. it's the, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad, to, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk, to talk about it with you. Me too. All right, and uh, thank you everybody out there for listening to this super current, unless you're listening from 2019, episode of The Incomparable, talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. We appreciate it, and we're glad you stuck with us. We'll see you next week, and thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.